Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy in Leadership podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. In this podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices on leading teams, creating and executing strategy, and fostering the culture within an organization that works. My guest today is Aviv Shahar who is the author of Create New Futures and the founder of Aviv Consulting. Aviv, how are you today? It's uh, great to be with you, Anthony. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you making the time. I know you're from the same neck of the woods as as me in, in the Pacific Northwest, but maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about you, a little bit about your background, where you came from uh, in the world, and then we'll get into the uh, into the podcast. Oh, I was born and raised in Israel. I was trained in the Israeli Air Force, used to fly the A-4, the Skyhawk. I then discovered that the one thing even more thrilling than flying supersonic jets uh, was to fly with people's minds. And my passion and my work over the last uh, three decades brought me to the senior leadership teams in some of the most admired companies in the world. And I discovered that, Anthony, when we have very smart people around the the table, we are perfectly capable in producing collective dysfunction and collective stupidity. Hmm. And I discovered that my passion and my gift is in helping very smart people unleash their joint capabilities such that they're able to uh, create more than the sum of the individual parts rather than the opposite, which is often the case where you get uh, people to cancel each other, dumb each other down, and produce lesser than the the best joint play together. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, judging by your, your client list and then the conversations we've had in the past, you know, when you have clients like Cisco, Chevron, WebEx, General Mills, HP, a lot of the brightest minds in the world putting into a room. I can imagine that, you know, there is tremendous opportunity, but I imagine also a tremendous opportunity for it to go sideways, if not unleashed in the right way. I imagine similar to a fighter jet, a fighter jet itself is a great tool, but if you don't know how to fly it, it's not going to help. Well, you get into the cockpit either with your right foot or, or your left foot, and you get out of bed whether you run a, a large company or not, in, or first on your right or on, on your left foot. And both are good. Left foot is as good as right foot. It's what you do after it and how you manage the complexity around you and how you stay grounded and centered in your clarity of thought, your clarity of purpose, the, the mission that you are here to serve. And, and you and I know that when you work with, with one leader or with a group of a team of executives, the coherence, the clarity of purpose, and the alignment that we are able to produce is where we, we get differentiated outcomes and, and uh, where we excel the most. Absolutely. So, you know, in the concept of excelling, you know, one of the words that I know that you use in, in your, your book, Create New Futures, is creating breakthroughs for people. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about the compelling case for using conversations to shape 
future. And then after that, maybe you can give us some case studies without, you know, getting into too much uh, secretive data, but some case studies in terms of what conversations you've led and, and what you found make big drivers in, in creating those breakthroughs and creating that excellence. Yeah, absolutely. De- delicious question. And why is a delicious question, Anthony? Because it, it is both conceptual, but simple and very practical. When I ask a CEO of a large company, what is the highest leverage for you as a leader? And they say, well, I'm the CEO, I get to allocate the resources of the company. My reply is it's a good answer, but I'm, I'm looking for a higher leverage point. And he says, well, I get to set the mission of our team. At which point the answer is it's great, but how do you use your mission? Because if you just apply the the rule of the three P's, which is that you print it, you post it on the corporate wall and pray that it'll make a difference, then it means not very much. Mm-hmm. And and then when they say, Well, no, we reflect daily on our mission, on purpose, and I said that's exactly right. And the question is, so how do you do that? Well, the answer is we do that through the conversations we have every day. Whether you're leading a small team of five people or a company of 50,000 people, you get up in the morning and you show up in the office. In most cases as a leader, what do you actually do? You are conversing with your teams about the actions you need to mobilize to deliver the services and the solutions and the value you pay to deliver. Even if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, so you speak with, engage with your clients and how you frame those conversations is how you actually create the velocity of the service you, you deliver. So my point to a CEO of a large company is the highest point of leverage you have is you get to shape the conversation agenda. And conversation is an important word because it implies more than communication. Communication is a one-way traffic. Conversation like you and I are having now is we, there is a give and take. We, we both listen and we engage. And so if I remember as a CEO, ah, the currency of leadership is conversation. Then number one, I remember to make sure the conversation loop is never broken. Number two, I remember that my job is to walk into a room and ask, are we in the right conversation or should we be in a different conversation? And if we are in the right conversation, are we approaching this conversation in the best, most optimal way? Or is there a smarter way to approach this conversation? And here is a practical thing for your listeners. Often, internally, in a small or large company, there will be a certain struggle and somebody will begin series of complaints and will say, will describe what's broken and what's not working. And that can actually be internally, but also externally, a customer or a supplier or a partner will complain about something that's broken. And before you know it, this can be a vicious loop that goes on for 45 minutes or two hours. And I propose that you have the power to pivot the conversation. And one more simple way to pivot the conversation is to to pivot from looking at the past and what's broken to pivot into solving to a desired future. It's as simple as asking, describe to me, please, what would be an ideal solution for you in this situation? And you go quiet. 
and you let the person begin to describe the solution themselves. So the core concept of create new futures and, and it, all the, the methodology is very openly described in the book is that the way we create a new future is we begin a new conversation. If we, if we are today, Anthony, in the same conversation we were in last year, by design, by definition, we will end up where we are. We want to create a new future, organizational future, business future. Well, we need to begin by creating a new conversation. And the new conversation begins with the desired future state from which we work backwards. So these are three core concepts in my work. Number one, conversation is the currency of leadership. Number two, to create a new, converse, a new future, we must begin by creating a new conversation. Number three, we create a new future by framing, imagining and framing the future state and working backward from it. Okay, so definitely a lot of, um, so two opportunities. One opportunity is the triple P, print, post, pray, where you hope that people, you know, sort of buy into what you're saying. Another is to lead the conversation and I guess more precisely be in conversations that are shaping the future. And for that to happen, you need to have that desired future clearly stated and, you know, discussing it and creating it in the hearts and minds of other people. And that if you find yourself in a conversation where someone has a problem, that you can frame that conversation in terms of what would be the optimal solution for you in this situation, which would actually solve that. And so as a leader, using your currency, high points of leverage to engage in conversations and presumably only engage in conversations in which you are discussing the ideal future and fundamentally what steps need to be taken to get that, if not explicitly, but implicitly. Yes and yes, that to, to be sure that it, it, it is clear. So, so the, the print post on the corporate wall and praise is the insufficient application of, of, I mean, companies like Enron have done that and it made no difference. So that, that, that was my point. It's a syndrome of we think because we posted it on the corporate wall, it made a difference, but in actuality it didn't. And secondly, to very well, the way you framed it, it there, the conversation is actually fashioned through a series of inquiries. So as the lead, as the leader, we never need to assume that we need to have all the answers, but we can frame the, the conversation, we can frame the inquiry that leads us into the, the different, the transformative, the aspirational future. The beauty of this, certainly it is the case when you lead a large team, you know, people used to for many years talk in, in the corporate arena a lot about buy-in and building coalition of the willing and you know, one of my greatest uh, epiphanies and discoveries was, so what is the way to create the highest level of engagement and the deepest, most meaningful buying? There is nothing. There is absolutely nothing as powerful 
is engaging people in creating their own future, their own destiny. So when you have a senior leader and they actually bring their team and bring their organization into the conversation, they engage them in imagining the future that those people will actually inherit after that leader is no longer there. People are prepared to go. Can you, can you say that last sentence them. again? Yeah. So a senior leader is there. Maybe they will be in this role for another two or three or four years, but they are now engaging the teams in creating a future that they will ultimately inherit and live into. They will bring that future to life. So the inquiry about the future is even more for them than just for the leader. Obviously, the leader has the interest of the senior leadership team. They're all interested to bring the entire organization into the conversation, but that is how you unleash creativity, energy, excitement, enthusiasm. That's how people are prepared to go over and above the call of duty. Because what can be more exciting than being invited into the conversation where you get a chance to shape your own destiny, your own future? So we talk a lot about strategic planning, and this is beyond strategic planning and within strategic planning, but it's really conversations about the future in which you're enrolling other people into having their own future within your future and then seeing it and being part of it. And then what I find just interesting and timely is today, you know, the, I did a workshop where all we did was talk about communication, talk about, you know, like communication as like a highway to be able to communicate ideas and get knowledge across and all of that stuff and to create fundamentally rigor, courage and innovation and making sure that the structures for communication are sufficient so that they will impact overall performance. And at the heart of communication, which is obviously two ways, not just like sharing out, but also hearing it, is to our conversations. There is no communication without a conversation. Otherwise, you're just spitting out of people. And so I think what I'm or what I'm hearing out of what you say was interesting is that the conversations to pull people in and always be creating that joint future with your people. And it's as easy as taking time to have a conversation, open up your mouth, and more precisely, open up your ears and shut up and listen to what people say so that you can be aware of where they want to go and have them enrolled in creating that future for themselves. Would you say that that's at the heart of you know, your methodology and the high value you bring to the clients you work with? Yeah, it's, it's very well said, Anthony, because you're absolutely right. Many people in, in the corporate arena believe that if you communicate that you've done your work, but communication without engaging people in the conversation is, is incomplete and mostly ineffective and, and insufficient. So yes to that. Let me, and I hope I'm, I'm not going to create too much of a conflict with, with your methodology. When we talk about strategic planning, it is a bit of an oxymoronic term, though everybody in the business world, they use the term strategic planning. So let me be clear what I mean by that. So I, I often show a slide and I paint on the upper right side, I, I write in a blue box, future state, and in the lower left, say, in a, a black box, the current state. 
and then I show two arrows, and from the future state, an arrow backward to the current state, that is the arrow of mission, vision, and strategy, specifically horizon three story strategy. And then I show from the current state an arrow from the lower left, an arrow to the right, where I write planning. That's the planning is a process from today going forward. Strategy is actually a process from the future backward. We actually, and it's, which is, I believe, what you're doing, you, we actually need to do both concurrently, but the framing of the conversation must begin in the future. Otherwise, Absolutely. what happens, people often describe to you in the current state all the obstacles. So you talk to somebody and you say, well, where do you want your business to be two or three years from now? And they begin to explain to you the problem. So, they, so you say, great, okay, I understand the problem. Let's just park it for a minute. Describe to me a desired state three years in the future, five years in the future. And what you actually do is you pivot them, from, you, you have them sidestep the, what I call the entrenched thinking that's based in horizon zero, filled with a gravitational pool of limitations and obstacles and you help them shift into a zero gravity thinking and imagination where we can engage in a dialogue about the out of the possible. And the key there is we want to solve the problem you are facing today, but more often than not, people try to merely solve today's problem. What we discovered is that when you solve today's problem with the desired future in mind, you come up with a different solution because you solve to the future state instead of solving to the current problem. That's the critical pivot in this methodology. I, I, it, it definitely aligns with how we do things, and I 100% agree. I find that like psychologically, and so, wow, how I want to share this. I want to share this so that you as the listener really get how I would say 90% of people think, and it's going from X to Y and linearly, and that it's like human beings, and if you even want to love your, obviously, perspective on this, I believe that people think they're naturally doers, and they just want to think of moving from point A, where we are, to point B, which is like the next thing, and they move linearly, and where I you know, agree in that, what is that desired future and work backwards is that you actually, it doesn't really matter how you get there. And I joke a little bit facetiously. I said, if you ate pizza all day and it would get you to your desired future, you would just do that because all you, you don't care about the how fundamentally, you just care about the outcome. And so if I said, you know, all of your corporate issues, you want to go to a hundred million and you could get there by eating pizza, you'd eat pizza, but you don't care how you do it. It's the outcome that you want at the other side. Now, no, obviously, unless you're in a pizza tasting career that's probably not going to get you there but really focusing on what the outcome is and being aware and in tune enough as to everybody else's different outcomes so that you can create the alignment around that outcome and then work backwards from there is how you make that future a reality but not in the linear sense but in the exponential sense and i would imagine that's the sort of thinking that you bring to your clients as well so big yes to the first part and when you do that, Anthony, when you, when you help your clients and the teams you're working with to rewire their minds to be outcome 
centered, outcome focused, right there, you're creating for them a differentiating advantage because most people don't get up in the morning and go to work thinking about the outcomes they're hoping to create. They, they are focused on too many people define what they do every day at work by the activity map instead of defining who they are and what they're about by the outcomes they're looking to create. So big yes to that. Having said that, once you oriented yourself to outcomes, the how, and I'm sure it's part of your process as well, becomes critical. Because what you discover is that when you define new outcomes, thinking you will just work harder using the same muscles that brought you here, well, you often discover that's insufficient. You discover that to create new outcomes, you're going to be you're going to have to discover and build uh, new capabilities, new muscles, new house. And actually, when I work with senior teams, part of the unique choreography of experience that I bring to them is that we integrate the conversations, the, the, the what and the how. We alternate. So the what conversations or the strategy discussions about what new outcomes will we create, what new strategies will we implement. And when we engage with those inquiries, we then alternate to what I call the background, which is, so how will we operate at a whole new level? How will we as a team build radical breakthrough collaboration and trust such such that we can dramatically accelerate the kind of work we do together every day? But it's only after you define the the new outcomes, the new results you'll deliver, that you can say, okay, what are the new capabilities? What are the new ways of being and collaborating that will actually get us there? Mm -hmm. So as I mean, I'm sure we could talk for a long time here, you know, given that you've done high, high, high impact work, high value work with you know, Fortune 500 companies, and I know we have Fortune 500 executives and, and team members listening here, but, you know, if there's an, an SME, somebody who's running a 100, 200, 500 person business, what would you say are the two to three best practices, things that they could implement tomorrow, outcomes that they can, and obviously a lot of it is in the book, Create New Futures, but what are some of the things that they can practically do to transform their team, develop conversations, foster trust, develop people being outcome focused, create new capabilities, define new outcomes. What are the two or three things that people can do tomorrow to make this happen? The first most important thing is the following mindset. We used to think that it's sufficient to show up to work to do job one, which is the job you were hired to deliver, whether you are in sales, whether you're in customer service, whether you, whatever it is you do. We now know that job one is the table stakes, but it's actually insufficient. Every employee in your organization in an ideal world must also engage with job two and with job three. So job one is doing the work. That's what they were hired to do. Job two is transforming the work. That is, you want every employee showing up every morning 
thinking, how can we do what we do here every day better, smarter, more efficient, more effective? What new improvements can I bring to the processes, the way we conduct work here? That's job two. So job one is doing the work. Job two is transforming the work. Job three, I discovered, is critical if you are to deliver in the highest level job one and two, which is transforming you. In other words, you want every employee to engage with their work experience to the degree that they can as, as a development journey, as part of their personal growth. And where we begin that in the most practical sense, as we said, how do we show up? How do we engage in conversations? How do we listen? How do we step from listening level one and two to listening level three and four that I delineate in, in creative futures. If we have time, I, I can cover that. And how do, in every situation, how do we ask, what is the opportunity? What is the learning opportunity? And what is the new future we can extract and we can soar to out of this experience, this moment in time? This, Anthony, is what was drilled into me in the Israeli Air Force. We never went on any practice flight without first thing after we landed, walking straight into the briefing room to debrief what did we do well, where did we execute, but where did we fail to execute and why, and what will we therefore do better and different tomorrow? And I so encourage, I yeah, I encourage that the work experience is a learning space personal growth and a personal development space, and we should never lose those opportunities. Got that. So it, it just to sort of summarize that, because obviously there's the, you know, there's the showing up, there's the transforming the work that we're doing and the transforming oneself. And, you know, a lot of organizations I've seen, you say, let's do a team building day. You know, let's do a one day workshop on team building or one day workshop on culture. And while that might be the the catalyst for that, what I'm hearing is that it's really like a cultural approach and a context that has to be generated every day to say, you know, what is the opportunity out of what we've done? What did we learn? Where can we do better? But actually engaging in those conversations on a, I mean, really minute by minute basis, daily basis, and as a team. And I believe if I can take from what I hear you saying, as a leader, having that as priority one showing up every day and engendering that in your people. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes and yes and yes. And you're absolutely <laughs> right. These, these team bonding activities, they're fun and nice, but actually they're not the most impactful way to engage a team in building a new culture. Engaging people in, as we said earlier, creating their future by involving them in solving opportunities and challenges for the company is a much more impactful and sustained way to bring forward their creativity. Respect people, honor them, acknowledge their creativity, demonstrate that they matter and that they're important in the everyday moment at work. That's much more long lasting than a fun bonding. I mean, these are not mutually exclusive, but how you actually conduct the day-to-day -day activity at work and the opportunities you create in that space is ultimately the, the way you demonstrate your values, 
your leadership values and the culture you want to um, cultivate with your team. Absolutely. And I think for, for leaders that, you know, that value the creativity, respect and the acknowledgement and, and being a, a example of what those things are, I think it goes a long way versus saying, way to do a marketing report. Be like, yeah, embrace your own creativity and, you know, be able to do this in a way that you feel like it is in your strength zone. I know it's a different style of management. And, you know, if you're old school, it might be different. And if you're new school, it might be different as well. Um, but a way to really get people have their best selves and have them be interested in what is going to drive performance for the organization. Uh, Aviva, I really want to make sure I get one more uh, one more practical tip from you on let, how to let, do that. Let me just come, <laughs> but let me read Jeff. You just said something so important. I can't let it go because this is so critical what you just said there. Because you just talked about your best selves. And to me, your message there, Anthony, is, you're leading a team. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't hold back from reclaiming humanity and the human element back to work. There is a ridiculous conundrum we grapple with every day, which is people show up at work and they spend the best time when they're most energized, most creative with their coworkers, not with their loved ones. We mostly get back home in the evening when we are tired to spend that time with, with our loved ones. So if, if we cannot create an environment that will bring forward the best in people and will appeal to their creativity and, and intelligence and sense of value and, and, and their ideals, why should they give forward? Why should they bring forward the, the best ideas and the best talent? So your invitation there resonates and is a big part of, of the message that, that I invite with leaders when we work on these ideas, such as invite the collective intelligence and the collective wisdom of the organization. You use the word, I love, so create an environment. When we look at culture, I've said this before, but I think of like a bacterial culture. And a culture is just like the environment in which people thrive. So as a leader, I, if you want to create a new future, you must create an environment in which your people can thrive, whatever that looks like for you and your people. But you can either have them thrive or not. And it's your choice. It's To me, it's a pretty easy choice. The how is is the, the trickier part. So Aviv, last question for you. How do you create an environment for people to thrive? You know, I asked a friend of mine who um, is growing, they have their own uh, vineyard and we talked about the concept of terroir. Not everybody in North America uh, is aware of terroir, but terroir is the, the quality of the environment, the character of the environment where you, you grow the the grapes that then uh, produce the, the quality of the, of the wine. And, and he explained to me about terroir, that terroir is everything. It's the climate, it's the, the chemical compound in the ground. And he said, and it's even the passion and the attitudes and the aspirations of the people that, that work in those farms in, 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 and cultivate the ground. So, the way you cultivate an environment is by demonstrating every day your values in action. You walk the talk, you practice what you preach, you pause to appreciate and reflect on what matters, 
you celebrate success, you demonstrate that it's an environment where people can be relaxed in the sense of they don't need to be defensive in the face of learning. You promote coaching and mentoring and listening. You apologize when you need to apologize. You appreciate the people around you as more than the two-dimensional face that they sometimes are compelled to bring to a, a, a work environment when they don't feel that they are welcome to bring the fullness of their expression. So I'm, I was really present to, you know, as we finish up here for your listeners, I don't know, you know, when you have a, a great glass of wine, if you like wine, or you have that really delicious bite of food where you're just like, mm, that is good. And that comes from a terroir, a cultivation of people. So if you want to have that experience when you leave your offsite or leave your work, and you just feel, mm, I love my team, and I love what we're creating, and what we're making is really what the intention was, then I invite you to, you know, really work with them to create the new future in terms of what that, what that possibility could be, and have that delicious food, delicious drink experience when it comes to thinking about the people on your team, the work they do, the passion that everybody brings into their day-to-day -day life. And I promise you that that is possible. And Aviv, I really want to thank you for really sharing all of the different opportunities there. Rewind the last two minutes of the podcast a dozen times, write everything down. I couldn't even repeat them if I tried. Uh, but Aviv, really thank you so much for, for sharing that perspective on how to create an amazing work environment and to how to create a future so that people can be empowered and create breakthroughs in their lives. Uh, where can people get your book? Where can people connect with you? And where can people learn more about the work that you're doing? Aviv Shahar is where you'll find me on LinkedIn. Avivconsulting.com is the website. Create New Futures can be found on Amazon in all forms. And you can also listen to my on podcast in the same name, Create New Futures. And um, it's been a pleasure, Anthony, to uh, explore with you today. The pleasure's been mine, Aviv. Thank you so much. I also invite everybody to check out Aviv on YouTube. He's got a lot of great clips there and uh, a great dose of leadership at any time of day. So Aviv, thank you so much for, for joining me. It's been such a fun conversation and I look forward to the next time. Thank you. My guest today has been Aviv Shahar, who is the founder of Aviv Consulting and the author of Create New Futures. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. And if you have somebody in your network that you like, you love, that you care about, and you want to support their future becoming reality, please do share them this podcast so they can create that new future with their team or for themselves. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider rating it five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Once again, this has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time. If you're getting ready to lead the strategic planning process yourself, be sure to check out our strategic planning toolkit. It has video walkthroughs to guide you through each step in the planning process from vision to action planning. We'll also have workbooks and downloads to document your plan and best practices to help get your team bought in so the plan gets executed successfully. 
you can get instant access to all the tools, all the templates, and all the downloads at smestrategy.net slash course.